This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, the best comic book podcast for regular comic fans. I'm your host, Mike Rappin, and joining me this week, two teenage girls who I will ultimately befriend because we need to save the world from the enemy, Kara Shimborski. Hey. And Paloma. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited because today we are talking about Sailor Moon, a thing that I, it turns out, know absolutely nothing about. And the two of you, according to our notes, <laughs> know a lot about. So I'm really excited to get to that in the second half. But for now, we're going to be talking about comic books because I have two legally mandated questions for you. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Paloma. I've been pretty great, Mike. Uh, last week, my city had a Comic Con. I kind of just sped nice. run it because I was just there to see two people and it wasn't a payday week. So I was like, let me just support my friends and then mm -hmm. um, have Doc Shaner sign some of my variant covers for World's Finest Teen Titans. So, nice. Pretty great. Comics are great. I had the wonderful pleasure of reading Unlikely Story of Felix and Macabre. It's written by Hassan Otsmain Elhow. I think there's a lot of lettering in comics but first time writing oh. i believe and then yeah. the artist is junie ba one of my absolute favorite artists right now he's done yeah. jalea which is kind of like a older teens like west african fantasy story and then monkey meat which was like a dystopian like capitalist commentary food industry thing that i really liked mm -hmm. and so unlikely story of felix and macabre uh it's a world of monsters and Felix is a little monster that gets bullied constantly. He's very weak, bullied at home by his dad as well. And he meets Macabre, who's an old curmudgeon wrestler. We find out he used to be a hero. And okay. it's a classic don't meet your heroes slash the complexities of adults and leaving okay. your friends behind for fame. What? <laughs> it was it was a wild it was a wild ride. I thought it was gonna be a cute old man little boy story mm -hmm. and there was depth and emotion and layers and one of those classics like would a kid understand the depths here so you went for the bulk of the film up but you got the first five <laughs> minutes on loop yes okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that devastating but devastating in a sure. very different way um Really great. You can tell how much like Junie Ba loves designing monsters, very unique monster mm -hmm. designs. We see Felix grow up and live his life and like stuff change there. So it's cute to see his little monster form grow up and see what it looks like as an adult. Mm -hmm. It was a really quick read. I, I would recommend it, I guess. I wasn't expected wrestling, but if you like wrestling, it's cool. Maybe there's wrestlers out there that have a similar experience. Where you betray everyone that ever loved you for fame i'm not sure that's not my genre i'm sure that that's been a storyline in the wwe <laughs> at some point right like <laughs> but no this this is interesting because i've been waiting to get my copy of this book for a few weeks which is funny because i like went to midtown when i when brian and kate came to visit and they had it at the shop but it like wasn't out until november so i was kind of surprised um but yeah i've been meaning to to take a look at this because it's it's pretty like oversized right like it's a it's a big book yeah. Right? Or am I thinking oh, of something he, else completely? He just also had one come out that he's like doing something with Mobius. That one's definitely oh, maybe oversized. that's what it was. Okay. Okay. Um, 
that's all regardless i have seen art from this and mm-hmm. it looks really pretty like you said juni bod loves to design monsters and monkey me is full yes. of monsters and i i love that book for that reason uh, so this sounds really exciting yeah that's that's been my scene lately kara how about you how have you been how are comics well how have i been i have been doing the most and now I'm burned out. So I am going into hibernation mode where I address the stacks and stacks of books and comic books that I have been hoarding and not reading. A feeling everyone listening to this show, I'm sure knows very well. (laughs) Yes. um, So recently I spoke on this show about how I am a Hickman hater for no absolute reason. I just, I have no understanding of why people love Jonathan Hickman's work. And I just decided to get really upset about it for no good reason. But then I was like, no, 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 personal growth. Let us, let us give him a shot. Let's try some Jonathan Hickman. Let's see how I feel. I'll make an adult informed decision. And then I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to go read Hox Pox, House of X, Powers of X, because that was a thing that I know he did that was kind of recent and super buzzy and like everyone was reading it and I had a lot of FOMO. Okay, so it was on Hoopla. I was like, great, it's on Hoopla. I'm going to read this book right now and see how I feel. And you know what? (laughs) I already read it. I already read it and I could (laughs) not remember that I had read it because that is how forgettable that story was for me. (laughs) so mad i got like 10 pages in and i was like wait a minute wait a minute like i probably already talked about this book on the show and i forgot i probably already i probably already had this conversation with mike we're living in a time loop like more mctaggart and the only genuinely cool part of this work have i mentioned how mad i am so then i read the entire 300 pages out of spite oh my god And I have to say, I just, for those of you um, at home, Mike is clutching his face right now. Uh, So reading this, I have to say, um, why are mutants? Like, there are a bajillion superheroes in the Marvel Universe, and the only ones who have this specific DNA thing going on are the hated ones, quote unquote, but everyone else with powers is somehow fine. And just like reading this book, I feel like this metaphor for oppression that Marvel used back in the sixties has like way outlived its usefulness and the mutants need to be integrated into the rest of Marvel. Like I know that some of them have been on other teams in other points, but it just feels like a bit of a dead horse in terms of like, everyone hates us mutants versus Mm -hmm. humans forever. And I'm like, you're telling me in a world where people are aware of aliens and still have their own petty infighting and geopolitical conflicts that the X-Men are the biggest threat to humanity somehow. Well, here's the thing, Kara. Uh, Anyone could be an X-Men and you would never know. Your child could wake up one day and suddenly be an X-Men and you would have no way to know. You know, who cares? Your kid could grow like what? What? (laughs) That's that's the thing. It's it's a metaphor for all of the things that are really, really stupid in society that people suddenly have prejudice about simply because. But Mike, they can i don't know marvel does ham it up i'm not gonna lie i will they 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 ham it up you're telling me that the fantastic four are fine but the x-men are not fine just because of the way in which they got their powers it makes no sense yeah it makes no sense and i'm mad about it but listen there was an entire storyline about this called civil war let me introduce you to mark (laughs) millar's civil war uh we can talk about this uh i'd be Uh... happy to (laughs) 
I'm really mad about it. Okay, things that I did like. I did like okay. the Moira McTaggart time loop issue thing. That thing yes. was that thing was rad. That was an example of the kind of storytelling that comics can do really well where by just you don't have a budget so you can do so much and it's so good. And that's the part where I was like, "You know what? This should be a mini series." I would watch the hell out of this show if it was a mini series on Disney Plus. Other things were that were good. Mr. Sinister, obsessed. Obsessed with Mr. Sinister. I know nothing uh-huh. about him except he shows up in this and he's apparently cloned himself. And he's like one of those like gleefully bad villains who's just like, yeah, I'll shank my clone. I'm in charge now. What's up? Let's deal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and just he's just like, I want a cape. I'm gonna let I want a cape. Why don't I have a cape? I'm like, why don't you have a cape, Mr. Sinister? Mm-hmm. My other delight was the mutant who grows the balls that are gold and glowing. Gold balls. Gold balls, right. And I'm sure it's just, it was such a good plot twist that the balls were actually unfertilized eggs (laughs) that couldn't be fertilized unless another mutant would help fertilize them to grow corpses, husks of other proto-mutants. But yeah. I'm sure that if I was an X fan, I would have like thrown my comic across the room when I got to that part because it was just well, it's so bad and so good at the same time that Gold Balls well, is actually the most functional mutant of them all. Here's the thing. When Gold Balls was introduced, I about threw my comic across the room because of how stupid of a concept of a character he was. But like what so, a great retcon. What a great yes, retcon. It's a great retcon. Character. I totally agree. I loved that. And then I just I got to the end of Hoxpox, this great big acclaimed event that has some really interesting moments trapped in a larger microcosm that overall I did not care for because I realized it was just 300 pages of exposition for a storyline that would then continue. Yep. Comics, everyone. And Mm -hmm. I got to the end and I'm like, why are we on Endor? Why is it Endor (laughs) at the end of Return of the Jedi? With the Ewoks and the treehouses and the fireworks. I had the music playing in, in my head, like reading that scene. Like, I'm expecting to see Anakin Skywalker's Force Ghost pop up. Like, uh-huh. tell me you love Star Wars without telling me you love Star Wars, right. Jonathan Hickman. Like, Jesus Christ. So, anyways, I got through it again. Maybe. Maybe I'll forget that I read it again and we'll have this conversation again six months from now. Just every year, so Kara bad. comes back to Hotbox <laughs> so and it's just like. It. And you know what? You know what? I was also proud of myself for recognizing some X Men characters. Like, you, I recognized you read... Apocalypse. I recognized I Apocalypse because I read Age of Apocalypse and do remember mm-hmm. nothing about that one except Cyclops' hair. So I guess the X Men <laughs> are just mustache. forgettable to me. So, but yeah, I'm proud of myself. And also, interestingly, The whole time I'm reading this, I'm just thinking about what, Mike, you were trying to explain to me the last time. I was like, Jonathan Hickman. And you were like, oh, he creates these like intricate cogs within cogs within cogs Mm -hmm. of a plot. Yeah. And while reading this, I got that. But also my brain manifested it for some reason as a Polly Pocket. So I'm reading Hawks Fox and I'm like, ah, yes, the Polly Pocket of the X-Men reboot. This is (laughs) this tiny little world. This is absolutely perfect because why can't we get the Krakoan Polly Pocket that opens up and it's got your favorite five mutants inside of it? I would buy the hell out of that. Yes, like hello, it's right there. I want to hold it in the palm of my hand. I want to feel the power of Marvel marketing. Yes, (laughs) 
and Magneto hovers on the inside because there's Mag. All right, we'll talk yeah. about it in the break. Um, well, Kara, I'm glad that you revisited Hoxbox because uh. you, deeply, you deeply love it. Um, it's not because you forgot. It's because you love it. <laughs> forgot it entirely, Mike. <laughs> sure, sure. Whatever you need to say. Uh. Uh, let me talk about a book. <laughs> I I am out of it in all sorts of ways. Um, I, I got my vaccine yesterday and it's just kicking my butt. Um, I've been spending all of my time reading Old Boy. Um, because we're talking about that on the uh, IRCB movie club this month. So I really didn't have a lot to read or I didn't read a lot, I should say, this this past week. But I did manage to sit down and read a couple books because I had a little bit of free time between volumes of 250 page volumes of old boy and writing on Substack, um, following on Substack. This is just a self plug. Um, I did read Sacrificers number three and four. This is by Rick Remender with art by Max Fumera, uh, colors by Dave McCagg. Holy moly, this book rules. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at this book or just Google it really quick and you'll see the art for this book. It's enough to really, really pull you in. I don't know how Rick Remender does it, but he pairs himself up with some of the most incredible artists that can do some of the most insane sci-fi slash fantasy epic stuff that you just, I don't know, it's it's very rare to see in comics, I think. Um these are super painterly folks that are just like putting 150,000% into their books. And I totally love it. Um, Sacrifices is no different. The first two issues of this book are kind of about this. There's this mystery of there are gods and the gods are real beings. And a child from every tribe in this land gets sacrificed. They get taken away and take, taken to meet the gods. In issues three and four, we kind of find out where these kids are going and we find out what's actually going on with these gods, why they want these kids, why it's a tradition. And we get to meet one of the the sun god's daughter and how she's finally growing up and starting to learn a little bit about like what her family has been doing for generations. Um, she is the daughter of the sun and the moon and the sun and the moon basically hate each other. It's awesome. So this book is a lot of fun. It's very, very beautiful. Um, I mean, fun is the wrong word. It's a it's a devastating read, um, but it's, it's very good uh, at paying off little seeds very early like i don't know i think i've over the past eight years of recording this show i've gone left and right up and down with rick remender's books but every, i keep coming back to his books because they always find a way to like put a hook in me that i just want to read a lot of it and sacrifices is one of those books that works really well month to month i think is going to be even better as trades because you're going to get these really concise arcs like i can tell the way that this arc is building up it's going to be amazing i don't know if this is a limited series this is ongoing but i just want more of this book because max Fumera's art is unbelievable um like i think when i read issue four i went back and reread it because I just wanted to look at all of the various deities that we get to meet in that issue. There's so much to this book that is begging questions of like, why do all these deities exist? Why is this world the way that it is? And they touch on it just enough to keep you hyper interested by the end of issue four. Um, and there's a, a good enough twist that I'm like, this feels this feels very big in potential. Like it could be a very, very big long running book. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. But yeah, I was I was very happy that we got to the punch of kind of this question mark of what is the what are the sacrifices? Why is that so important so early in the series? So now we can actually like hit the ground running with a lot of character development and questions and twists and turns in the plot. So um, this book rules. I highly recommend it if you get a chance, if only just to look at the art, like you're not going to find an artist who's doing stuff the same way that Fumera is doing things right now. Um, and there's only a handful of like books being published that I think are at this level of quality in terms of just. I don't know. It's it's very impressive. So check this book out. Totally love it. Have you guys read this by chance? I don't know if you if you've looked at it at all. 
Yeah, I've checked out issue one because I was hesitant to read it just because sometimes Rick Remender can just be so hit or miss or it's totally he's like a hit and then becomes a miss as I read more. But I picked this up because it was like pretty hyped in my comics group and issue one delivered hard. Dude, the art was crazy good. Um, I only know little bird boy and I was like, bird expressions oh. are so sad. Yeah. The, the book does follow this one little bird boy who's like a little pigeon kid. Um, and his your heart breaks for him over and over because he's the sacrificed one of his family and his family like ostracizes him because they know that they can't be close to him because he's going to he's going to leave someday. So he's he's lived his life as this like outsider with his family of like multiple. And they've always had to keep him at a distance because they knew one day he was going to leave. It's like. It's so heartbreaking, right? And then he meets up with a bunch of other kids that are on this walking train that are essentially going to go to this kingdom where the deities are. Oh, man. Um, again, breaks your heart. And I totally feel what you're saying, Paloma. Like, Rick Remender can be very hit and then it dwell, it turns into a miss. Yeah. I'm not feeling that four issues into this book. And I feel like that's a good pace for for his writing. Like, it's if it's going to miss, it's by issues three or four. This book totally rules. Oh, man, I can't get over it. Can't get over it. Um. But uh, Paloma, let's let's bounce back to one other book that that you've read. Um, tell us about something else that's yes. That's been good. So I am on the precipice of maybe fully committing to the Energon universe. I've not said that word out loud, but it is Energon. The- <laughs> is it Energon? Energon. Okay. <laughs> how am I to know Commit that? Commit to your Energon. <laughs> how are you to know? Um, if it helps you, I'm the person who pronounced uh, the chain of islands word archipelago well into my 20s. So this is just <laughs> one of those words. <laughs> if you you know if you don't hear someone say it, how do you know? English is a mess and energon is a made up word. All words are made up. Ooh. We made up all of language. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> we don't have time for that philosophical debate. Paloma, tell us about Transformers number two before we get too deep. Ooh, it was great. I loved issue one. I can't believe I have a Transformers book in the year of 2023 on my pull list. Same. It's written and drawn by Danny Warren Johnson, who I love and I feel like everybody loves. And yeah, I I love just learn about Autobots and Decepticons. I won't know a dang person's name who isn't Optimus or Bumblebee, but that's irrelevant right mm-hmm. now. Cliffjumper? Maybe I'm yeah, learning. Now you know Cliffjumper. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. Starscream? Yes. Oh, yeah, there. Megatron. I freaking love this series. Issue two is just everything I wanted and more. Um, my favorite, a highlight for me was certainly, uh, the Decepticons calling humans squishies. Yes. Right before squishing them, <laughs> Starscream just like collapse an airman in midair and just smashes him all over the place. And I was like, hell yeah, Starscream. <laughs> I mean, no, that would be terrifying if it was real life, but it's a comic book. So hell yeah, Starscream. Yeah. I don't, I don't Hello, know how the you- Autobots win. Like just seeing like a variant cover. It's Optimus, the girl Transformer, Cliffjumper, and another small one. And I'm like, they're out manned. They're out heighted. How are they winning? First of all, there's more than one girl. Second of all, the girl one is RC. Third of all, can we really ascribe gender in a binary to non-biological extraterrestrials? Come on, people. <laughs> all, all valid things. Um, I... <laughs> 
So, Paloma, I'm curious. Uh, the Energon universe, does that include other books? Does this does this include Void Rivals oh, somehow? Am I going yes, crazy? Yes, it okay. uh, started with Void Rivals, number one, mm-hmm. which I also just read, and I wish I had added that to my pull list before all the other issues were gone. But yeah, it starts there, and it also includes um, the G.I. Joe people. Oh, um, right. That, okay. that one I'm... That one I might just read for free um, and not add it to my subscription list. Sure. That sure. one for me is like, show me the Snake Eyes miniseries. I know it's <laughs> coming. I'll read that one. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I think I'm going to at least check out the number one for G.I. Joe. I've never been a G.I. Joe person like in any capacity, but who knows? This this new thing. I never thought I'd be pulling Transformers in the year 2023. So anything is possible, I think. Um, but I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I, I have yet to read this issue, so I'm very excited to, to check it out. Um, mostly because when I was reading the first issue, I was like, I didn't think it was possible for me to care about someone with the last name Witwicky. And here we are in 2023, <laughs> well, and that's happening. Mike, that's so. because you made the mistake of watching all the movies, for which I'm right. sorry. But <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, but, you know, go back and listen to that episode um, before I go into a tangent. But uh, <laughs> Danny... <laughs> Danny on our call is showing us his Transformers DVDs. Oh boy. Um, Kara, tell us about another book that you read. Oh, so gladly, Mike, because, okay. uh, you know, this is a rare moment where I'm continuing storylines from previous episodes. Thank you. So, uh, previously, we spoke about Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, uh, two heroes in the DC universe who uh, became best friends during their time on Justice League International in the 80s, a team that DC will not let die and keeps revisiting and revisiting and revisiting. Mm -hmm. And we were challenged to read Booster Gold 52 Pickup by one of our lovely uh, patrons. Thank you for your support. Support us on Patreon, and you too can make me read something that I thought I would never have to read again. (laughs) Right, yes. uh, Totally true. (laughs) Right, so we read Booster Gold 52 Pickup, and it just like slam dunked my brain back into 2009 and i got to the end of that volume and i was like well this was a hot mess but i kind of want to keep going especially now that we have booster gold and blue beetle as like the team up in the next volume so Mm -hmm. i read the next volume and you know what i fucking loved it it was so dumb and so good it was like time travel reassembling the justice league international mr mind who i had forgot about as a character and then they brought him (laughs) back mr mind is a bug i want you to envision a cartoon caterpillar with enormous eyes and glasses Mm -hmm. and he crawls into your brain and takes over your brain because okay like a a good and bad thing about the dcu is that they never let characters go so Suddenly, mm-hmm. you're in the Silver Age in terms of aesthetics and storytelling because they right. will not let characters go. So, yeah. that fans was... of Animorphs are very familiar with this concept as well. Yes, the slugs <laughs> that go in your ear and they take over your brain. Yeah, right. totally. So, so you know, um, I took a a screenshot of my favorite part of the whole book, which was Blue Beetle, a costumed hero, saying, "From one bug to another." buzz off while squishing Mr. Mind with his foot because Mr. (laughs) Mind is a tiny caterpillar. Amazing. There are like like mind controlling the bad guy 
and then he like swarms out of the bad guy he's been mind controlling because there are thousands of him but it's just like the bad guy covered in thousands of tiny little green caterpillars with big eyes that look like they belong in a mickey mouse cartoon and you're just like what am i reading (laughs) who approved this dc why Uh, dc was letting jeff johns do whatever he wanted okay (laughs) Um. <laughs> but like you know it's this is what i want from a dc comic because once i got over my whole like oh dc is the worst you have to know 40 years of continuity to enjoy yourself but like once you know that 40 years of continuity it's super fun <laughs> <laughs> like it's real great you just uh-huh. Uh-huh. like there's a a plot twist at the end that i had either never read in the first place or totally forgot about and it was great and i am reeling from it and now i want to keep reading and I've already checked out the next book in the series. So, you know, much Keep like, updated. well, much like you all saying, ah, I didn't realize that we would be in 2023 and having Transformers on my pull list. Didn't realize I would be in 2023 going all in on Booster Gold, you know, like. <laughs> that's just a very at. long, it's a very long, elaborate ploy to convince DC that they should make a Booster Gold movie. Um, it make no sense, but um. I would watch the hell out of that. That would make they would they could do that very well if they made it like a social commentary about um, SpawnCon. Like Booster Gold is a TikTok influencer, and he's got like all these like tie-ins. If they did it like Josie and the Pussycats and like went all in on the parody right, and satire right. of it, oh, Chef's Kiss, do that, DC. I know you won't, so don't, don't actually do it. But like they don't have the guts. Oh, Archie would do it. Archie would have the balls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. give the license to archie that's what i'm hearing um <laughs> let me let me talk about another book really quick before we get to the top of our pile um i read the space between number one this is by corinna becco art by danny luckart nick pitched this last week on the show and i was totally sold on it I didn't this flew under my radar and man i really really loved it the basic idea of this series is it's an anthology where each issue follows a different pair of people as they go about living in a far-flung realistic sci-fi future um and they deal with love and survival and liberation and like what does classism look like in the future what does love look like in the future when like humanity has moved beyond living on earth right um it's a really cool book uh the first issue is quick to kind of push the narrative forward but i feel like with a limited page count it kind of works well enough the strangers to friends to more than that question mark um you really should read it to find out it's it's pretty cute um becco manages to tell like a really simple romantic story in an unbelievably rich world without like bogging you down with too many details of the world there isn't a lot of exposition dump there isn't a lot of lore dumping you get little bits and pieces of information based on communication between people you get a stranger from a different world and in heavy quotes um that falls into a different into this, this new world and doesn't understand how they are truly asking questions all above we do this and below you do this like there's that kind of thing which is nice um there's like a i don't know i feel like there's a very small middle ground in anthology comics um especially some that like share a universe where there's like a bombardment of information or not enough information to feel connected and like becco manages to land right in that perfect middle ground spot to try to get you invested in the characters as well as the world that the stories all of these stories i believe are going to take place in without again lore dumping it's it's a it's an impressive feat she's clearly a master at it uh meanwhile luckhart's art is very fun um it's almost stereotypically star trek or expanse or alien or gritty sci-fi in like how heavy the line work is and i think if you've ever read any of the more modern star trek or alien or expanse books you know what i mean like there's something about this realistic sci-fi thing that happens 
where there's just a ton of really heavy line work um, and not a lot of shading and the color palettes are usually kind of muted. And I feel like that's exactly what happens in this book. And it's not bad, but I think page one, if you've experienced any of those other types of books, you know exactly what kind of story you're getting into. So me diving in, having read books of, like that kind, I knew exactly like the vibe that this book was going for with its line work and its color palette and stuff. Um, this is like it clicked immediately as being a realistic sci-fi. So um, it's very immersive. Like the opening scene of this book is is really cool. There's a heavy action scene that like really roots you into what our main character is going through and what she's trying to accomplish. Um, and the action is very, very well done. So if you're looking for a nice sci-fi book, I think this is a cool one to pick up. Um, probably will be good as a trade as just like a quick anthology that takes place over a series of issues about characters. But um, honestly, just as a one-off, if you're just like looking for a random book, like this one's perfect because um, you get a whole story one and done and that's it. And if you pick up the next ones, maybe it'll minorly connect because it's in the same universe, but it's not, I think important for you have read the first issue. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's the space between, but let's move on. Let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile. Uh, this is a new comic an old comic or just something you're looking to get off your shelf. Some book that you're looking forward to reading next. Before we get into our picks, I want to shout out the folks that are hanging out with us on discord. Paul G is reading parasocial next. That was almost my pick for this week, which is crazy. Hugh is reading blade number five and Danny is reading big game number five. Uh, I don't know what big game is. So Danny, tell us about it in the comments, but I guess let's bounce over to Kara. What's on the top of your pile? Well, since this is my life now, I am going to continue to read the Booster Gold series <laughs> <laughs> and also the newer stuff because this is just what my life is right now. Um, and then related to that, I picked up Fire and Ice number three, Fire and Icer two. Um, characters from Justice League International that I really like. They also showed up in the Justice League Unlimited animated show, if you watched that. And they are like best friends. A lot of people ship them. It depends on your interpretation of the subtext. And they are currently, for reasons, in Smallville in a hair salon. And Superman's mom is watching over them unclear what happened i haven't been sure. reading dc but like i like their i like their chemistry they seem to be this comic book seems to be doing something like what uh she hulk was doing where they're like oh let's make this sort of a self-contained piece and there's like side characters that show up like just specifically in this book and mm -hmm. then if people like superman fly in for an issue like that's fine and I really like smaller scale superhero stories like this. So I'm interested to see where it goes. But I hate so much why I haven't stopped thinking about this series. Because, you know, going back a few minutes ago to my comment about DC Comics is fun if you know 40 years of continuity. They had a cliffhanger for Fire and Ice that involved uh, a character named... Spoilers if you haven't read Fire and Ice number two. Just skip ahead right now. That involved Ambush Bug, a character that... I hate that I know. <laughs> I hate that it's an exciting selling point for me. And we do not have time to get into Ambush Bug as a character and a concept and like a meta commentary on the DC universe. But suffice mm -hmm. to say, I went back to a comic book shop to pick up issue three. Very convenient that it also was out the day that Transformers number two was out. But <laughs> regardless, I'm now back going to comic book shops for fire and ice and for transformers so <laughs> fire and ice next on my to be red file well, that's that's exciting i i only know fire and ice uh whatever their actual names are i can't i don't remember Torah and but Beaches. i 
Yeah, they they were in Human Target, which I read that 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 fun little Tom King book that he did with Greg Smallwood, where Greg Smallwood draws ice as maybe the most beautiful woman I've ever seen on page, not in like a voluptuous blah, blah, blah. There's like this close up of her face where I'm like, Greg Smallwood doesn't like comic books. Mm -hmm. He just loves this woman. He wants to draw (laughs) this face. Um, It's like, I don't know. I've never like looked at a page like that and been like moved by like how beautiful it was but holy smoke one of the issues in that run just unbelievable just the the absolutely i don't know it's it's very much like breakfast at tiffany's ripoff like the way the the look that she's giving um but uh it's it's still i was just like floored by it i remember just being like i gotta put this down and like think about something else because i'm getting all confabulated in my head um anyways so that's how i know those characters well clearly (laughs) because they all show up in human target i have to add human target to my list now because i didn't even know that was a thing i'm gonna see if my library has that right now from from my understanding, DC fans out there, please write me if I'm wrong. This is very much like a an, a spinoff and in, in a very loose way of the Keith Giffen like JLI, if I'm not mistaken. Like those characters basically make up the entirety of the cast as human target. The, the main character is trying to figure out who accidentally poisoned him to death. Um, that's like opening on page one. But okay. Carrie, you should read it. Let yeah. me know what you think. Um, I'd be very curious. But. But let me talk about a book really quick that I'm excited to read, and that is Dogs Read, numbers two through eight. This is like chapters on the Viz Manga app. Uh, this is created by Satoru Noda. And the reason I bring up two through eight is because that's all that's out. Um, this is a brand new-ish series um, from the creator of Golden Kamui. And I've, I've never read Golden Kamui, but it's a <laughs> it's a story about like the Russo-Japanese war that happened back in the day. It has like a lot of very like political things in it. So I never, I never dove into it, but I've heard it's very good. It's very, very well-loved. Every manga shop that I I go to usually has this book or they have like action figures and stuff from it which is crazy to me to think that like a historical record of a war could like turn into a manga that people were like i want this general's action figure <laughs> um please god american comic book creators don't even fucking think about it just don't but anyways golden kamui very celebrated book it ended i think middle of last year and this is the new series by satoru noto um and the story is basically uh, a young teenager best ice skating person in his town in his middle school gets this near perfect score um, in one of the final rounds of this uh, tournament and ice skating um, goes a little ballistic and ends up leaving town with his twin sister to go stay with their estranged grandpa who was estranged from their mom in that little town the main character finds out oh there's this beautiful lake that i can go skate on i still love to skate but i gave up my dreams because of reasons we haven't discovered yet in the story where he runs into the brother of this superstar hockey player and there's a little bit of a tussle but the main character kind of sneaks away from the fight because he's so good at ice skating he's like you hockey guys are too brutish you'd never be able to catch me and that's like the end of chapter one and it's so good it's so funny it's so well drawn um it's probably it's one of those books that i just am so excited to read the next eight chapters and i'm so bummed that there aren't like another 400 after this like this is the type of series that if there was 400 chapters i would just not stop reading it until i got caught up um and yeah this book is very very pretty um very well drawn all the characters are really well rounded in the first chapter which is like 65 pages um and we get some we get some interesting bits of back and forth and question marks that end the chapter um really really interestingly that makes me immediately want to dive into chapter two so um if you get a chance check this out because it looks really really fun 
But Mike, do the hockey player and ice skater fall in love? <laughs> well, we are we're not sure. I'm not sure yet. Uh there is definitely definitely that trope and it totally exists in multiple other stories. Uh-huh. Um but uh we'll see. We'll see if that if that's a thing. Um you know, Shonen Jump isn't completely scared of doing a story like that, right? They published uh was it Blue Flag about like a basketball player and his semi-nerdy friend and they kind of like and love each other. It's a, it's a fun book. But um Anyways, before we dig into all of that, Paloma, tell us about a book that's on the top of your pile before we go into the break. I just picked up my copy of Chromatic Fantasy by H.A. It's a Silver Sprocket book. Beautifully yeah. bound if you get the physical copy. Like the the outside pages are all golden. So I'm just a sucker of that kind of shiny stuff. And yeah. what I really like about it is like the queer leads, like a quick little snippet is Jules is a trans man trapped in his life as a nun. The devil that the convent guards against offers him a deal to escape an illicit tryst and lifelong possession. Just sounds cool. What? Just sounds cool as heck. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I've had this on my forever, like it's open in a tab of like, Mike, when you have a couple bucks, it's time to buy this. Um, This sounds really cool. It looks beautiful. The art preview is incredible for this book. Uh, what drew you to it? The online hype was pretty wild. Like a lot of cool Silver Sprocket artists like Hugo Limbo had like a lot mm-hmm. to say about it. And then uh, one of my friends who has great taste loved it. And it's just been like skyrocketing people's like top of the year list. And we've been seeing a wow. lot of like trans for trans relationships like from Silver Sprocket books lately. So that's always cool to mm-hmm. see. So yeah, I'm I'm really hyped for this. The art looks amazing, and I just feel like it's inspiring for like making a comic too. Yeah, this is a beautiful looking book. Um, I, you've convinced me I need to make the actual pull the trigger and buy this book, um, and add it to my pile of like at least a dozen silver sprocket books that I've bought in the last six right. months. Like, I just can't help myself. But uh, that's that's very exciting. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break then, and when we come back. We're going to be talking about Sailor Moon and uh, get excited, <laughs> if Mike. You, if you aren't watching the video live with us, uh, I guess, or if you're not watching the video, or watching this on YouTube or some capacity, Kara's completely dressed up. Um, it's going to be a very magical, magical thing. So we'll be back in just a second. Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to remind everybody that they can follow us on the internet and Instagram, TikTok, Discord. We've got a Goodreads. We've got a YouTube channel. If you're not a member, what are you doing with your time? Come follow us on the internet. We try to post some pretty interesting stuff and you're missing it constantly. Uh, as always, though, you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. You can join for free and get access to all the public stuff that we post just on Patreon, as well as subscribe today and you can get access to our very intricate number of shows a large number of shows i don't know what i'm saying here uh better batmobile saga of saga giant days of our lives ircb movie club which is dropping this month you can do all that at patreon.com slash ircb podcast so let's get into today's topic today we are talking about sailor moon i wrote it with a hundred o's but before we get into discussing the iconic character known as sailor moon um kara i know you wanted to break down the idea of what magical girl manga is so why don't you tell the folks at home what that is and then we're going to talk about my first foray into sailor moon which was an experience. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, all of this comes from Wikipedia, the ultimate source of truth for all things 
Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely does not need to be interrogated at all. That's sarcasm. (laughs) Always interrogate your sources on Wikipedia. But I wanted to get the overview of the magical girl manga genre, because when most people think of that genre, they are thinking of Sailor Moon or a manga or anime property that Sailor Moon has inspired. But I was interested to learn that actually the magical girl manga genre arguably started in the 1960s uh, with the character Sally the Witch, which was inspired by the American TV show Bewitched. Um, And that anime introduced the concept of using like a makeup compact to instigate your magical transformation into an alter ego. Mm -hmm. Um, So like hallmarks of the genre include like the manga is focused on a young girl with magical powers and usually manifests the magical powers through an alter ego. And usually there's like magical accessories and toys or like weapons, but they're all like very, very feminized. Mm -hmm. I was interested to learn that in the seventies, most of the magical girl anime uh, were witch based and then magical girl became the broader term in the eighties And it was interesting to learn that a lot of the characters at the time who fell into this category were young girls who through their magical transformation would turn into like, like women versions of themselves. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that that was happening at a time when women in Japan were getting more rights and opportunities. So I was like, ah, the parallels, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. give Mm -hmm. people agency and look at that. They become adults. Ah, but, um, I think the, the genre really took off with, Sailor Moon in the early 90s. Um, Sailor Moon like centered the female characters as protagonists with agency who were unmistakably feminine in their dress and interests, but who were tough as fuck. Citation me. And, <laughs> uh, I was less interested to learn that now the genre is apparently targeted towards a more adult and male audience. And that was distressing to learn because I didn't actually really grow up watching the Sailor Moon anime. I think it was mm-hmm. on Cartoon Network at like 6 a.m. And it just I was never up that early. So that didn't register for me. But um, I got into it reading the manga that I bought like used copies of on eBay in like the sure. early 2000s. And I'm really glad that my introduction was the manga because the anime was redrawn and refocused by a bunch of men for like kind of a male gazy audience but the manga was drawn and created by Naoko Takuchi a woman for girls and it's way more of a female perspective mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really glad that my introduction was the manga and now Mike that your introduction has been the manga and you didn't yeah. read this as a teen girl whose life was transformed by it tell me uh-huh. your thoughts <laughs> you're coming well, in well some a- would say that inside all of us is a teen girl uh no <laughs> Oh, no, actually, I, 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 so my, my familiarity with Sailor Moon is pretty much what I pitched at the top of the show. It's a character I've seen at conventions. I knew it was a thing. I knew plenty of, of, of women liked it. It was an anime, um, but I really didn't know anything other than like, there's a Sailor Moon and Neptune and Mars and Pluto, maybe. I don't really know. Um, so like, it, I was very much went into this, like, having very little knowledge. But I guess before I expound on my, my journey, I am curious, Paloma, um, what's your experience with Sailor Moon? How did you go from just an average person to reading Sailor Moon and being forever changed? <laughs> so I grew up watching the anime first uh, okay. as like a little kid. And I remember my aunt made me like a Sailor Moon costume for Halloween. 
And everyone thought I was Wonder Woman except one other girl knew I was Sailor Moon. So I've, yeah, I was just a big fan of the anime. I had some old manga like translations. It was before Tokyo Pop had the license. Mm. Maybe Tokyo Pop first had the license. And they called her Bunny, which is mm-hmm. Usagi, means bunny in English. And that's her name. Mm-hmm. But in the anime, her name was Serena Moon. So I was like, who is Bunny? But <laughs> <laughs> I grew up watching the anime and then reading that what I thought was a weird translation at the time. So it wasn't until maybe like when I was a teen or even early in adult where I went back and like read some of like the newer prettier translations that they've done but it was formative for me especially back as like a youth I was very much tomboy where like I was into Dragon Ball Z and action figures but Sailor Moon was unique where she was super girly and she won Mm -hmm. me over and I was not a girly girl back uh, in those days but I Mm -hmm. love her I I don't know if people will see this I've I've had this since I was a youth it's um, VHS. Yeah, it's not canon. It's Sailor Moon R, and it was when like the anime had caught up to the manga, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is just technically filler. And I think it's a masterpiece. <laughs> maybe it's it's a, the English dub, one of the English dubs. But um, that's awesome, beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I feel like I I really didn't know much about Sailor Moon. Like I said, um, I other than I knew that she was a teenage girl who got magical powers and that there were like elaborate magical girl transformations, right? Like uh, modern books like Flavor Girls, for instance, um, clearly inspired by like Sailor Moon in general. Um, So I was only slightly surprised to see that the magical girl transformations in the manga were not like multi-page she's got to do all of this stuff in her hair and her <laughs> blah 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 like because i feel like that's how the anime was maybe that's just because of filler right hmm. um just because I, I think i've seen clips i have enough zeitgeist context to kind of understand what sailor moon is but i really had no idea what the story was about and it turns out it's about a teenage girl who needs to stop the enemy from getting a magical crystal. And honestly, not even mad about that because that is about <laughs> as simple and easy to understand as any Power Rangers story. Most of Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> yeah. like there's nothing crazy about what's going on here. It's yeah. just it's about teenage girls. And the thing that I I was really shocked by is like how like often the book doubled down on this idea of like being pretty and doing all of these feminine things and like usagi is you know or sailor moon you know she's mm. weird because she wants to play at the arcade and then it turns out like everybody loves the arcade and then it turns out that's what their home base is and i'm like <laughs> what the fuck is going on um so like i i like the progression it very much felt like a you know kind of spoilers for sailor moon eternal volume one if you haven't read the first seven chapters of Sa- mm-hmm. sailor moon we're spoiling them um but I, I really liked how the volume of manga that i read really covered like everything you would expect from a 90s tv show and then some um we introduce all the characters it's just a bunch of teen girls going out we meet a new character every chapter it's like every kind of manga that you've read that's been in shonen jump or or you know in a lot of the popular translated series um, where you're meeting all the, the the team and then the teams together and then they every week they fight a new bad guy by cutting them in half and turning them into sand <laughs> which is my favorite i was like that's the best way to get away from any kind of dance or any kind of like blood and all that other stuff yeah um so like i don't know i really liked it i thought it was i thought it was very fun um and there's so much 
mystery that is just like handful like just like waved away to be like ah i can't tell you that because uh you're not ready to hear it and i was like what the fuck <laughs> luna what the fuck is your fucking problem dude like these little girls these teenage girls they need context but they're just gonna go along with things because they get to look pretty i guess is that the justification i don't really know i got news um, for you about harry potter yeah. mike you're <laughs> describing the <laughs> fundamental problem of dumbledore <laughs> yes just yes. tell harry <laughs> yeah um uh, but no i i really i thought it was fun like i love that that sailor moon usagi is like every time she introduces herself she's like i'm usagi tsukino i'm 14 years old and i'm in my second year of middle school my hobbies are eating sleeping and slacking off i'm kind of a crybaby but otherwise i'm just a normal lovable young lady and then she's like one day i got these magical powers and god it just ruins my schedule <laughs> Well, that's why she's great as a character, because, yeah. you know, the, you could open any book about a hero who needs to save the day from the bad guy. And mm -hmm. generally, they're like taking it seriously. And she's like, I'm I, I need a nap. I need a, I need lunch. Mm -hmm. I want to go play a video game. Studying is the worst. <laughs> I got a 30 on my math exam. And as long as my parents <laughs> don't find out, it's fine. Like, yeah. And, you, you know, um, in the the manga version that I have from the nineties with the quote unquote bad translation, which like, yeah, some of it's a little rough, but that's what I <laughs> was reading. They actually kept a lot of the like uh side matter that Naoko Takeuchi like added in there for the fans that the eternal edition lacks, which makes me sad where she like mm. wrote little notes to the fans. So it was like kind of like letters writing into a comic book, but just the creator writing back. So that's another way that I, engaged with it was like feeling like a bigger community and getting to hear like oh like what are the japanese fans thinking about this because according to naoko takeuchi in the first like bunch of chapters of sailor moon the japanese fans weren't really connecting with sailor moon because they're it's so like but you have to study and go to school and do all these things so a lot mm -hmm. of the fans were saying that sailor mercury the nerdy one who's like super smart and does all the studying was the favorite character. So mm. I think it was very interesting and I would argue very like, like this is like a public service really that Naoko Tokyuchi is like, there's not just one way to be a girl because mm. each of the sailor scouts has their own distinct personalities and interests. She's like, you don't have to be just the smart one. You can be any number of these things. Like mm -hmm. my favorite character uh, from the inner senshi of the the core group that you just met, Mike, is yeah. was always Sailor Jupiter because I was like, wait, she's the tough, big, strong one, and she's got the best uniform with like the crisscross thing. Because like remember early two thousands when I was reading this and like lace up everything was the rage, but she's also like the one who wants to like get married and open a flower shop and just bake things. I'm like, yeah, and now you see all those memes online now of of people just being like ah, the feminine urge to open a bookshop slash coffee sl shop slash knitting shop slash like <laughs> you know all those things i'm like yeah that's sailor jupiter you're describing sailor jupiter she's the archetype yeah. she's what we all aspire to be now <laughs> so. so i oh so yeah so this volume that i read covers yes. the, the four main uh sailor scouts that's what they're called right mm -hmm. Scouts, yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, we get the Sailor Moon, the Guardian of Love and Justice. We get Sailor Mercury, the Guardian of Water and Wisdom. Sailor Mars, the Guardian of Fire and Passion. And Sailor Jupiter, the Guardian of Thunder and Courage. Um, and I love that, like, they're like, here are the four girl types. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the goofy... <laughs> 
<laughs> there's the goofy woman um, who's really lazy, and that's fine. And then there's the super smart girl. And then there's the religious one. And then there's the tough but lovable one. And I, I really love that, like... <laughs> contradiction between each like each character is like sailor moon has to be the leader but she's also like lazy and doesn't want to step up um we've got this super smart girl who can't really find human connection um who's supposed to be the one of wisdom right um we've got Mm -hmm. the the super religious girl who i don't really know what her contradiction was other than she's just older and doesn't need to be hanging out with these younger girls (laughs) and uh, and then Sailor Jupiter is just like, I'm really tough and everyone, no one likes me because I'm so tall, but I also am just secretly a romantic. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm going to skip ahead a few chapters here, Mike, since I know you <laughs> sure. didn't have time to read like, you know, it's 40 plus chapters of manga for yeah, this one yeah. show. Um, but there, there's a, a lot of this is about like their, their character growth and their growth as friends. And there is a whole arc in the manga where each of the inner like sailor scouts, sailor senshi, it's just the Japanese title for what they are um, having to kind of face their own fears and like confront their inner demons. And Mm. they all come back to like, you know, when sailor moon is doubting herself as a leader or anything, they're all like, but we like, but we love you. Like you brought us together. We were all these little like, socially isolated weirdos in our own way and mm-hmm. you brought us together for this greater purpose and you love us and care about us so like i know that you feel useless right now but actually you're we like we love you so snap out of it and like take your magic mm-hmm. wand let's go save the day <laughs> so i think the series resonated with me like not just because of the the aesthetics of it because it is a very beautiful series i think today the critique that Um, people would have that I would have if this was maybe something I didn't have an emotional connection to would be that oh all these girls have really unrealistic bodies because they're all like very very tall it's like Barbie on steroids almost in that they're they're just not biologically possible because of how long their legs and like hands and everything are sure um like I was I was recently looking at one of the many critiques of the Kardashians getting photoshopped and a recurring one is everyone's like Chloe Kardashian is photoshopping her hands because there's no way hand fingers are that long. And I look at her hands. <laughs> and I'm like, she's got Sailor Moon hands. Like those yeah, are the yeah. hands which, that the Sailor Scout characters have. And they in the look manga. pretty. They're just like fingers as long as your face, which right. like out of context, that's pretty weird. But right. in the moment, they look nice because in this the is a pretty comic nice. book. Yeah. It's like everything's like pretty and sparkly. And, you know, revisiting this first volume to be where you were Mike I was just mm-hmm. struck again by how good the book is at creating these emotional beats of connection or tension just from a background or like an extra little interstitial panel that manga does way more than western style comics does sure. like Sailor Moon and her romantic interest Tuxedo Mask best name ever <laughs> He's a man in a Let's... tuxedo and a mask, and his name is Tuxedo Mask. And he yeah. shows up mysteriously at all these like crime scenes where she's defeating demons, and they have these moments. And there's all these like these subtle like glowing orbs wherever they have like a connection if their faces are really close or if their hands are touching. And oh, then yeah. you get more into like, ooh, like, do I know you? Why do I know you? Uh, oh my god! And it's just, ooh, it's so good. Um, but you know, is it? Is it good? <laughs> no, We're gonna but, talk about it. I no, think. no, no, no. But like reading it. You have to remember when I started reading the, this manga, I was the age of the protagonists. Sure, sure, so sure. So sure. I was like full on in the like, yes, this is what it's like to have a crush and to mm-hmm. make friends and to 
like be existing in the world as somebody who's like doesn't have it quite all together but you want to do good and figure out your place in the world like it oh it's so good in that regard so when i tell people to read it now and they're like you mike and they haven't read it and they're a guy i'm like i don't i i know this is not gonna hit you the same way that it hit me because yeah but and i appreciate that but like this book became like i swapped it around with all my friends uh only if I trusted them with handling books, because again, I was slowly collecting these <laughs> off eBay and I would yeah, hand the books yeah, yeah. one at a time in a Ziploc bag and say, do not crease the spine. Uh-huh, I was uh-huh. great fun at parties. <laughs> Spoiler. No, I didn't go to parties in high school. Let me clear. Right, so you read Sailor Moon I at was home. Read, I was reading Sailor Moon, not cracking the spine, but like, you know, but that was like another way for my friends and I to be like, oh, I identify with this scout. Oh, I like we get to talk about it. So it's like my little like Sailor Moon book club and identify with which one that you are and it helps you figure out more of yourself but something that was really important to me about this book that I didn't realize until later because I didn't have the language to explain it was that Sailor Moon is probably the first mainstream property I engaged with that was queer and like didn't make a big deal out of it it's just like Usagi is queer like she spends the whole first book following around girls she thinks is pretty mm-hmm. and like <laughs> bringing them into her squad. I, one of my screenshots from this <laughs> from this volume was she's like, that was so scary. She's a Shinto priestess and I'll forgive anything if someone's pretty enough. And I'm like, <laughs> sailor. She's, she's so freaking gay. It's like she's obviously head over heels in love with Tuxedo Mask, but all these, she's like, oh God, she's so pretty. I need to, she needs to be over here. Like just, mm-hmm, just put her mm-hmm. next to me. It's fine. And then like later in the series when you meet some more of the scouts like sailor uranus is genderqueer like sometimes they're presenting as a woman sometimes they're presenting as a man and i'm Mm. pretty sure i'm remembering right that sailor moon kisses sailor uranus in both gender presentations so then there's like more genderqueer characters the starlights that come in later and i'm pretty sure sailor moon kisses another one of them like there's just like a lot of this stuff where it's like and it just happened and we're not going to explain it or talk about it it's Mm -hmm. just like just a whole bunch of characters here are queer and that's just what it is um so that was i think really important for me growing up to see like oh yeah this is fine like Mm -hmm. nobody's making a big deal out of this and you don't need to put a label on it if you don't want to but it's just she's attracted to this character and they are also a woman and they're gonna kiss and it's fine she's gonna go back to her boyfriend don't worry about it (laughs) she kissed a girl and she liked it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah well no it's, it's interesting like so this is all you're you're reading just the manga with this right and you're sure. experiencing this so paloma i don't know if you i don't remember if you said did you read the manga as well or were you just like an anime kid for this show and, and did some of this stuff also make it through to the anime um so the anime is infamous i will say i don't know the outer senshi as well i just haven't read that far I was at the okay. mercy of Toonami, so whatever yeah, they yeah. showed. <laughs> but the anime is infamous. Um, they redubbed it, so maybe it's not the same now. For making Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus cousins. And they're Instead of lovers. Gay. Yep. Oh. Like they're in a committed relationship in the manga and everyone knows it. And in the Japanese anime, they're together. And in the American version, they were like, too gay. They're cousins. That's why they're so close. Yeah. that's better they're just committed yeah. cousins yeah. that's better well they okay. like cut out they cut out a couple scenes that were also like more overtly romantic sure 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 
Yeah, but yeah, interesting. The characters are actually uh, some of them are quite different in the anime. So years mm-hmm. later, when I revisited, I love Sailor Mars. I'm Sailor Mars girly, but I'm mm-hmm. Sailor Mars girly based off of her. She's extra fiery, if you will. And the anime <laughs> always mm-hmm. butting heads with Sailor Moon. Later in life, I was like their OTP material. They have that cat, <laughs> okay. not like that dog cat dynamic. But the Sailor Mars who you've met is more stoic, way more priestess and like dutiful in that regard. Sailor Mars mm-hmm. is as well in the anime, but she's she's boy crazy as well in the anime. She is absolutely not boy crazy at all in the manga. No. She like hates men. Yes. That's like her characteristic yeah. in the first volume. Yeah. That is not true. She lusts after Darian. I don't know his name in Japanese currently. Um, and she's just really butting heads with Usagi. And I, what I like about the manga and appreciate about the manga is that the friendship is a lot more present in the beginning. And you can mm. see the trust in Usagi or believing in Usagi as much more like genuine and sooner whereas in like that anime to like Kara's point earlier where like it is it's written and drawn by men they have that like girls butting heads and clashing and just really mm-hmm. ragging on usagi and the manga is just way more girl power from jump and like girls being friends and trusting each other and like less yeah. catty than the and at least for like Sailor Mars and Sailor Moon, like they butt heads. Sailor Mars has like no respect for that girl for a very long time. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, it's it's funny that you say that. You bring that up because I, I really, I almost found it funny how instantly trusting these these girls were. Now I get it. Story's got to move. But also that is me as like a 35 year old man being like, you can't just be friends with someone overnight like that. And that is absolutely not the case. Right. Um, so I found, um, so you know what, this is, this is kind of nice by the end of the volume, the four girls, you know, they kind of have to come together to, to solve this big mystery with, fucking to a tuxedo mask there um uh-huh. and uh you know we, where they meet the princess i thought that was a really cute story where they like have to go meet princess d or whatever and yada 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 um and she can't see anything she's so pretty and then she puts the glasses on they're all like hold on a second is the nerdy guy in our school maybe a hottie without his glasses <laughs> i was like hold on a second hold on um oh but my- yeah i i did like the way that like the friendships just kind of there was no questioning it. There was no, should we be friends? Should we like, there was no buildup. There's just like, Hey, we're part of the sailor scouts. That means you can, you, you and I can swap lunches and we can do all this other stuff. We'll immediately hang out every day after school. Um, I really, really like that. I thought that was like very, very nice. Not only from like a, we got to move this story along perspective, but like just this inherent trust between these four girls. Um, it drives the story and becomes like a core component of like the end of the volume where sailor moon has to like be this leader in the final moments. Um, and apparently get semi kidnapped by tuxedo mask, but we haven't gotten to tuxedo mask, but I got a lot of questions and thoughts. So we can uh, get uh, into them right now because I was just about to say, Mike, you were talking about the, one of my favorite chapters of the whole sailor moon run, which is the masquerade ball. Cause like, all right. So in this volume, sailor moon gets a magical pen that she gets because Sailor Mercury, the smart one, has mm-hmm. beat the video game in the arcade that leads to their secret base, but they don't know that yet. And the machine gives her a pen, which she doesn't know will soon transform her into Sailor Mercury. But when Sailor Moon sees the pen, she's like, I want one and starts kicking the machine until another <laughs> pen comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this other pen 
like helps her transform into just whatever costume she needs to get wherever place she needs to go to like help people and save people. Mm-hmm. So she finds out about this masquerade ball that's being held for this princess with treasure. And they know they're all looking for this crystal that the bad guys are looking for. And so she's like, we have to go investigate for reasons. We have to investigate. We have to go to the masquerade ball. And this, the pen transforms her into a pretty, pretty princess. So again, these 14 year olds sneak into the ball. Cause I think part of the magic of the transformation is like, they look older than their age. Um, Mm-hmm. So they go into the masquerade ball and she like gets tipsy on a cocktail and ends up like dancing with Tuxedo Mask, who's also there. And again, as like a 13 year old reading this, I was like, this is the most romantic thing in the whole world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's swooning on a couch and he's uh-huh. kissing her and they're having a moment even though. And then, like, of course, now reading it, I'm like, she's unconscious. Get the fuck away from her. But like, I know. At the time, I, I was know. like, oh, they're having a moment. He kisses her like three times and she's <laughs> unconscious. What the fuck is this guy's problem? <laughs> They're soul bonded, Mike. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> okay, okay. okay, but like then we go into like the whole fucking Twilight thing, and I'm just like, Ugh. I know, I know. We don't have to. We don't have to get into uh, we that. We don't have here time. Today. But yeah, yeah, that's probably but, my biggest problem mm-hmm. revisiting this manga. I'm like, oh right, there was a lot of these literal children can and should be having relationships or cr- crushes on men who are significantly older, and like reading well, it at the time, like- you don't really. He's seventeen. He's like seventeen, right? He's seventeen. I, I There's like I, I put I put this in my notes. I kind of understand the idea of like a fourteen year old girl crushing on this high school boy, right? Like that's a thing. That's like a that's a thing that yeah, happens. That's in the real Romeo life, and Juliet right? age dynamic, right? And Not so saying that's great either. <laughs> the fact that it goes beyond a crush is where it's kind of like, I guess, it's kind of gross. Um, but his justification for wanting to find this crystal is maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, come on, you lost your memories and only the crystal can fix you. Come on, bud. Who told you this? I need to read more Sailor Moon just to figure out this dumb guy's backstory. I would um, love for you to keep reading Sailor Moon and figure out the backstories <laughs> I, because I you stopped four volumes. You stopped right before the chips all fall on the table. Like you are Amazing. almost there. <laughs> it all opens up from here. Well, I've got three more volumes to read. There, I bought them. They're sitting in my Kindle library. This is a thing that's happening in my life. So I'm so proud um, of you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> well, I okay. I think I have a couple questions. Yes. I think that I would love for the both of you to answer. Yes. Um. So I imagine there's more of these sailors. I mm-hmm. think that's a thing you've you've said. There's like the core, and then mm-hmm. there's more. I imagine there's an entire solar system of mm-hmm. Neptune or sailors, right? Neptune and yep. Pluto, and so on and so forth. Yep. Um. I guess like does this does this cast just infinitely grow or is it like there's like a dozen of them and that's kind of the story? Great question. Um yes. <laughs> uh, Paloma, so, your okay. thoughts. <laughs> okay, look, 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 okay. So we've got the inner scouts, um, whom sure. you've met, Mike. And then you will soon meet the outer senshi, which are uh Saturn uranus neptune pluto and so of mm-hmm. course when pluto was no longer deemed to be a planet you can imagine the devastation um <laughs> pluto's actually one of pluto might be my favorite sailor scout like my inner okay. senshi is 100 percent sailor jupiter and that's the one i connect with most but man the second they so- showed sailor pluto i was like this is it <laughs> she's the one <laughs> she's my favorite love her very much and then there's like you get into sailor chibi moon which is the part that i really wanted you to get to mike which is sailor moon's time (laughs) traveling daughter (laughs) 
who has her same <laughs> powers, but different hair. And the look on your face is exquisite. Um, the, and then there's uh, like, excuse me, there's like, other, okay. <laughs> there's other scouts that we find out about later that are like less important than the core ones that we've discussed. There's okay. like some scouts that are scouts of asteroids. There's a really cool panel at one point where for like literally two seconds, we see that sailor Mars has two like demi scouts that are from like the moons of Mars so there's like there's a whole elaborate thing. Oh, but well, that's the that's the yeah. Phobos and Demios thing, right? Sure. We're like, okay, okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of them, but you only really need to worry about the ones named after planets and Pluto. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sure. I mean, like, I feel like there's there's an infinite number of planets and stars out there, so there potentially could be an infinite number of of scouts. Um, yep. I guess okay. That yep. answers some questions. I did feel like I got a little with the eternal versions that I read. It's funny. There were these like weird spots in mm. some of the pages where it's just a lot of blankness. Yeah, and then they would just those... put like a chibi character. I thought that's interesting um, that there that 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 spot was filled originally with notes, which mm-hmm. I would have loved to read. I love reading those. Yeah. Like the back matter in manga volumes mm-hmm. is like some of my favorite stuff to read. Like, I don't think my experience reading um uh, the manga about Go. What am I? What's it oh, called? Hikaru no Go. Hikaru no Go. Yeah, Hikaru no Go. I don't think my experience would have been the same had I not read all the little mini comics yeah. about like the author's experience making the manga. So like, I'm I'm kind of bummed that that's not in there. Whatever. I guess we'll one more day I'll I'll find a scanlation or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So okay, that's that's fun. Um, I guess my other question hmm. is is Luna Sailor V? No. What the fuck? What then? What is the point of this weird cat? Because I, I can't stand the cat. I can't stand the cat. <laughs> Mike, let me tell you the cat. about one of my favorite Sailor Moon stories that comes later in the manga. Paloma smiling because I'm pretty sure she already knows where I'm going with this. The one where Luna falls in love with an astronaut and asks uh, to be turned into a real girl so that she can... <laughs> fall in love with the real astronaut who is also in love with another astronaut and they're both supposed to go to the moon but one of them's sick and Luna just wants him to get better and there's like a whole subplot with like sugar star candy so now whenever I see sugar star candy in like an Asian grocery I have to get it and just be like it's sweet like his kisses (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay okay I'm like turning red. Oh God, Mike. And I have to tell you while reading this book and being like, how would Mike interpret this book? Mike is probably thinking this is bonkers. And I'd say, Mike, Western superhero comics are also bonkers. This is just a different type of bonkers. There was nothing that was so far fetched that I was like, what's going on here? Like, this is a very (laughs) straightforward manga to read. It's very wordy. Mm. Um, There's a couple of pages where I was kind of lost what was actually happening, but it's really not important because they're like those filler panels where there's just like an action happening that gets you to the next scene. And that's fine. Um, Yeah, there's nothing wild about this book. I think there's just like. I don't like Luna was getting on my nerves eventually because I much prefer just the Sailor Scouts interacting with each other mm-hmm. than Luna being like, hey, dummies, it's time to go to my underground base at this arcade <laughs> um, and figure out a thing. And my favorite panel of the entire book does feature Luna, which is this computer is connected to the main system on the moon <laughs> with the cat with the little headphones on. Uh, I mostly just felt like Luna was annoying um, for a chunk of the book, but I don't know. No, um, no, that's just because she's. She's like, we have a mission and we need to do it. You just don't want to follow the rules. You want Sailor Moon to be able to like vibe and eat her yeah. snacks. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Mike, you had questions about Tuxedo Mask. How can we help? Um, 
Why tuxedo mask? Um, why? <laughs> I okay. Tuxedo mask is a cool character mm. from like a really like he just shows up and he's got a mask and he's wearing a tuxedo. And Blur Moon didn't figure out who the fuck he was from the get go. Mm. Um, whatever, that's fine. Um, How Clark does Kent, anybody Superman not recognize Syndrome, right? Clark Kent? <laughs> I understand. I understand. I understand. Um, I I feel like he's kind of a wiener guy and that he shows up and doesn't help. And then just goes, oh, I needed to do this. And then he just leaves. Yes. Um, so I, I guess my questions are like, why, why, why tuxedo mask? So first of all, you're getting to that in your next volumes. Okay. And I know, second I know. of all, very clear. There's just, <laughs> there's a, a meme online that I want to find now. That's just tuxedo mask leaving with like his cape being dramatically drawn over the panel. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. a gift. Sometimes it's like a, a two panel thing. And it's just like, here's an explanation that doesn't make any sense anyway. I'm leaving now is like the meme format. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that would resonate with you. Um, sure. I also think you'll be delighted to know that in the anime, whenever he showed up, castanets would play. Yeah. Like a little clicky clicky. Cause he's got a rose. I, I curious all like a hole. <laughs> I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on, on tuxedo mask Paloma, because you've experienced the anime i think significantly so like what are what are your feelings about tuxedo mask on the whole um ultimately at the end of the day the scouts don't need him but i love him as i i love his presence i feel like <laughs> he's a a male wife or whatever you call him i feel like he's, he's a male wife in distress yeah yes he's the damsel in distress <gasps> yeah he is the oh, function of okay. the damsel in distress he is there to like look pretty and be saved by the hero and you will see this recurring theme and like there's a little bit more to it and stuff but for all intents and purposes like he is the damsel in distress and he's also very handsome and shows up in a tuxedo so like i don't know like every girl i knew who was reading these books with me in high school is like ah he's so dreamy except not like that because that's not actually how teen girls talk to each other sure 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 but um was yeah. the vibe the same for you, Paloma, when you were when you were watching the anime? I don't know. Yeah, I thought he was cool. I thought he was so cool. And then when you just learned more about him, I'm like, it's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah I date I date him. I date him. I definitely, <laughs> definitely went through uh part the part of why Sailor Moon's so important to me also is that that was the first fandom that I really engaged with, like even before Harry Potter, because there was already so much stuff for Sailor Moon. Right, and right, so right. I was like, ooh, let me, I got to get my books on eBay. Ooh, what, what stuff is there like from the 90s from Japan, like in terms of toys and like, can I get a transformation wand and like mm-hmm. people making their own Sailor Scout tiaras that you could buy online on like right. geosites <laughs> and like <laughs> this era of the internet, like pre social media, finding my way around to different like things that you could get and interact with in terms of. Sailor Moon stuff. And um this was also my first experience being like, oh, I could dress like the characters. So uh there was a good year where I was just checking eBay for silk top hats so I could like Incredible. do this tuxedo mask thing. Uh I never actually bought one, but I did end up getting some like rose earrings, the like Sailor Jupiter's like rose earrings. Um, I ended up uh, achieving my dream in my late 20s of having three piercings on my lobes so I could match up to Sailor Mercury. Because, like, you're just reading or this Zorro book, Mike. Or Zoro from 
one piece <laughs> okay yeah. you're just reading this book mike and i'm getting fashion tips i'm like look at all these earrings that they've got right, right, right like right. look at how they're dressing everything's so sparkly I mean, for the listeners at home, uh, Kara is completely decked out in like all of her Sailor Moon like garb, right? She's no, done no. her hair up in buns. <laughs> I mean, not all the garbs. Not excuse all me. of it. You're wearing jewelry. Where you're wearing yes. a lot of jewelry that is Sailor Moon yep. based. So, um, and it looks very nice. Oh, thanks. And I like did my hair in little little buns. Um, my hair is not long enough to have the you know six foot train <laughs> streaming out from them, but I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. Um. Well, okay. So this this is a very fun journey. Uh, as I said, I'm going to continue reading because this book is fun and very easy to read. Like I said, it's very wordy, but like it's not a complex thing that I need to keep track of. It's very freak a week right now. I'm sure that things change as time goes on, like most manga. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that we got to, to have this conversation today. I didn't realize uh Kara, that this went this went so deep for you um i thought oh, yeah. there was like a i love sailor moon i didn't realize no. that this was like down to the bone for you <laughs> no, so this that's, was that's like my exciting. whole personality for a good two years like it was like this sure went right up against teen titans in terms of like things that formed me in the forge of adolescence <laughs> it was like harry potter was there all along but then it was like sure. sailor moon like going into teen titans and then them all kind of like swirling together like when i look back on like my journals from that time or just the things that stick in my mind from that time of like how I wanted to present myself online. It all sure. comes back to Sailor Moon, like all the glowing transformation stuff and all the like having strong female friendships and jewelry being a source of power, like all this shit. It's just <laughs> all it's all there. It's all there. I think yeah. about I, I put in the notes. This is my Roman Empire. Like I think about yeah. this shit all the time. This is where I learned the planetary symbols um mm -hmm. this is where i started seeing like oh it's okay to be queer just so many things i cut my hair short like i had when i had a pixie cut i was like finally my dream of becoming sailor uranus like just like <laughs> all of this stuff is just so wow directly inspiring so many things about me so this book is very important to me and i'm really proud of you for trying something new mike good job of course course um well i guess paloma I'll, I'll pitch it over to you any final thoughts any recommendations about what i should do in my next step on this sailor moon journey i feel like you have to go to youtube and watch some of the old deke dub clips just to know what it was like Ooh, if okay. i'm assuming they're on there i hope so just to see that kind I'm of sure. voice acting and ultimately at the end of the day i feel like sailor moon is just the epitome of like friendship and love wins at the end of the day mm -hmm. i love having a main character that isn't striving to be the best or the strongest she just needs to get the job done at the end of the day so she can play her yeah. games and have her snacks <laughs> just just great friendship all different girls and then back to like how it was so easy that they all like trust each other that's the power of being lonely and then you meet one very nice goofy girl who isn't so smart <laughs> and just wants to hang mm -hmm. and then that's mike got mike is sailor moon he's <laughs> assembled the scouts yeah. <laughs> he assembled finally the it scouts. all comes together <laughs> 
I've said this well, before. You just didn't realize how relevant it was I, to you, Mike. I, yeah, it's all the all the pieces are clicking together now. Thank you. Um, well, thank you both for joining me this week. This was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, I am going to read more. I'm very excited to go on this Sailor Moon journey. Who knows how deep it's actually going to go? But um, I at least have four volumes ahead of me that I'm determined to read. You call for us when you show, get to the Dark Moon Saga, Mike. When I get to the yes, we'll we'll have a maybe we'll revisit this in the future with the two of you. Um, but for now, um, next week's show is going to be me and Kate and Paul. We're going to be talking to a special guest, Bijan Aga, who was on the show before talking about Kickstarter. They're coming back to just chat comics with us. It's going to be really fun. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander. Xander's tuxedo mask, I think. <laughs> in that we all love him. Um, like, I'm Sailor Moon, Xander's tuxedo mask. This is right. That, anyways, uh, thank you, Xander, for editing the show. We love you. Um, I want to say thank you to Danny for proof listening this week. Thank you to everyone who hung out with us live on Discord. Uh, you're fantastic. And if you got this far in the episode, you're a fantastic human being, and we love you so much. Until next time, though, comics are good, and so are you. Yeah.